0: Welcome to That Anxiety Guy, Episode 5, Tips on How to Choose a Therapist. everybody drew here thanks for stopping by to listen today I want to talk about something that I get asked about on a pretty regular basis and that is how do I go about finding a therapist if I decide that that's the right thing for me Uh, that's a great question and it's definitely worth talking about so I think we're gonna spend a little time on that today so many people with anxiety disorders can really make a lot of great progress on their own without a therapist but getting professional help is not really a bad idea So if you think that enlisting the help of a professional therapist is right for you, then that's awesome. And there are some things you should probably know before you start looking. So let's go over those. The first thing you kind of need to know overall is that not all therapy and not all therapists are equal. It's not generic. They're not the same. There are differences. So there are different styles and theories of therapy. Uh, They vary quite widely. Not all of them are effective necessarily in the case of anxiety disorders. And when I'm talking about anxiety disorders, I'm talking about things like panic disorder, agoraphobia, OCD, social anxiety, even some eating disorders, that sort of thing. Now, some types of therapy are absolutely more effective than others for people with anxiety disorders. There's a lot of research that shows it, and it's absolutely worth understanding the differences. So the first thing I want to talk about And probably the biggest thing is understanding the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist. This is huge. Now, psychiatrists are medical doctors, and therefore they can use a prescription pad as a tool. Now, this is not—I'm not casting aspersions on anybody in particular in the field of psychiatry. But sadly, many psychiatrists do see medication as their primary or even their only tool, and that's rarely good for anybody. Now, a psychiatrist, being a medical doctor, tends to have a little bit more of a biological slant, a little more of a neurological slant, and again, does rely a bit more on the medication, maybe more than a bit more, maybe a lot more on medication, and there tends to be less personal interaction and in what you would think of as as therapy, quote-unquote, unquote excuse me. Um, Now, psychologists, on the other hand, are educated to the doctoral level with a PhD or possibly a PsyD, P-S-Y-D, depending on the school they're at, but they do not have an MD. They're not medical doctors, so psychologists cannot and do not prescribe medication, and they tend to be focused more on what you would consider therapy than on the biological aspects of what's going on. Now, naturally there are crossovers. There are some psychiatrists that don't necessarily believe in the role of medication, and there are some psychiatrists that are really more therapy oriented in various ways, and there are some psychologists that do believe in using medications. Often they'll work with a psychiatrist and may include medication uh, with the aid of that psychiatrist, Um, and some psychologists that have more of a biological or neurological slant to their practice. So There are variations, but it is important to understand the general difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist. And in my opinion, it's a psychologist that you're going to be looking for. So let's take a look at the different types of therapy that you're going to encounter when you enlist the aid of a psychologist. Now, what most people think of as therapy involves going to see somebody once a week or more than once a week and talking to them. So if you ask the average person... um, are you in therapy? They'll say, yes, I have a therapist. And that usually means I go to see somebody for 50 minutes once a week and we talk about things. Um, Now, that's traditional talk therapy, if you will. It's most well known and it's most often misinterpreted as what therapy is in general. And that's kind of wrong. That's really more of a what would be called a psychodynamic or psychoanalytic form of therapy it's a long-term therapy. It also, it tends to stretch out for a very long time, years possibly. Uh, Most of that therapy is focused on kind of digging and looking for underlying causality. What's the root cause of your problem through continued talking and probing and digging? There may be aspects of, you know, conscious versus subconscious issues, um, And it's very involved, it's very long-term, it's one of the oldest forms of therapy, and it has its place, but it's not shown to be terribly effective in the case of anxiety disorders. It's just not. Um, So going to just talk to somebody once a week is kind of not what you're looking to do. It's not going to be terribly effective for you. So now let's talk about something called humanistic or existential therapy. This tends to be a little bit more new agey. There's a lot of guys, uh, a lot of therapist guys, excuse me. There's a lot of therapists out there that are engaging in some of this stuff, and it certainly does have its value. But humanistic or existential therapies tend to be focused on very broad themes like self-actualization and realization of one's potential. Uh, Humanistic therapists tend to view themselves more as guides than teachers, and their goal is really to help you find sort of your optimal path Uh, in life. Um, They can be short-term therapies, but they often do drag on for a very long time given the broad goals. And humanistic existential type therapies also not shown to be terribly effective in the case of anxiety disorders. Again, they have their place in the world, but not necessarily most effective in this case. So that brings us to behavioral therapists and behavioral therapies. And there's a large body of research out there that shows time and time again that behavioral-based therapies are the most effective form of therapy in the case of anxiety disorders. Now, in behavioral therapists, your therapist takes on the role of sort of a teacher. And you will learn, and this is learning by taking an active role in the process, to develop skills that are focused on changing unwanted thoughts and negative thought patterns and on identifying and changing the behaviors that tend to perpetuate the anxiety cycle. It's an action-oriented therapy, so you're going to have, in behavioral therapy, you're going to have homework, you're going to have assignments to do, you're going to take an active role, you're actually, along with your therapist, most times will be out there in the real world exposing yourself to things that do trigger anxiety as part of the desensitization process. So in behavioral therapies, There's work to do. Um, There's definitely an effort to put in. But the good news is they're generally short in duration where positive outcomes happen relatively quickly. A lot of people, after starting a behavioral therapy, will say within the first month that they're beginning to see improvement in their life. Um, And generally speaking, people who engage in a course of behavioral therapy, like, say, cognitive behavior therapy, will tend to last anywhere from, say, three to nine months. It's rare that they go on for more than a year. Um, Now, behavioral therapy isn't necessarily focused on the underlying cause of what started your anxiety to begin with. It's more focused on uh, intercepting those negative thought patterns, those negative behaviors, and those things that perpetuate the fear cycle and the anxiety cycle, learning to identify them, intercept them, and change them into more positive outcomes. And it's extremely effective. It's been shown time and time again to be very effective in the the case of anxiety-related disorders. Now, there are also uh, what we would call eclectic approaches to therapy, and there are many therapists out there that will pick and choose different aspects of different theories of therapy. They'll combine different things different in their practice, uh, and that can be very effective. And the thing that's attractive about that is an eclectic therapist will try and tailor a course of therapy for a given person, but anxiety disorders really you're generally best served by a therapist who works primarily in the behavioral realm. So there's nothing wrong with an eclectic therapist that wants to use maybe different modalities depending on your individual situation, but you really want to try and stay focused on the behavioral, the cognitive behavioral therapy if possible. So now you want to look for a therapist. Let's go over the things that you kind of want to look for. So again, my strong opinion on this is that you want a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. And the way to tell the difference is if the person has an MD, a medical degree, medical doctor, they are a psychiatrist, and there's probably going to be medication involved and that sort of thing, like I mentioned before. I'm not saying that don't ever take medication. That's a personal decision. I have my own opinions, but that's your personal call. You know what's right for you. But in this case, I think therapy-wise, you're looking for a psychologist as opposed to a psychiatrist. So you're likely going to find somebody that has either a Ph.D., a doctoral degree, or a PsyD, P-S-Y-D, depending on the school they went to, sometimes you're going to find somebody who has their degree as MSW, Master's in Social Work. And we're talking about the United States here. I know that may vary in other countries, but generally speaking, that's how you're going to tell a difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist or a psychological social worker. A psychological social worker, depending on where you live, may be licensed to... Engage in therapy like behavioral therapy, or maybe not, depends on where you live. Uh, That's kind of an individual area thing. But MSWs, psychological social workers, have been known to do a very good job in this area. So you're looking for a psychologist or a psychological social worker, and you're really looking for somebody that says they specifically engage in a behavioral therapy. This could be cognitive behavior therapy, it could be rational emotive therapy, which is kind of one of the precursors of CBT, it could be something called dialectical behavior therapy, but you really want somebody who will tell you flat out, yeah, I'm a behavioral therapist. Um, And you really want somebody whose practice specializes in the treatment of anxiety disorders. Generally speaking, a therapist that kind of takes nothing but anxiety disorders is really ideal. Now, I know that in many cases when I ask people, well, do you have a behavioral therapist? The answer is, well, I have a therapist, and, you know, they have anxiety patients, but that's really not a lot, enough. You really want to try and find somebody whose practice specializes in treating anxiety disorders. Often that's all they do. And that's really going to get the most, if you will, bang for your buck. Um, not to kind of water it down to money, but that's where you're going to get probably your best result is in that situation. So hopefully that helps. Now, in the uh, show notes for this episode, which will be on my website, thatanxietyguy.com. I'll put a couple of links um, to some organizations that will help you find cognitive behavior therapists in your area. Uh, they're definitely worth checking out. So head on over there. Again, thatanxietyguy.com. Just look at the show notes for episode five. Um, and that should help you out at least a starting point to start shopping for a therapist. Uh, and I'll add a couple of the resources as I find them uh, to the show notes for this episode. So I'm going to start wrapping it up. I think uh, I'm trying to keep these relatively short, hopefully between 12 and 15 minutes each for now. And um, I'd really like to hear what you guys have to say. Feedback is, is awesome. Um, it helps the podcast in a big way. So I'd love to hear any questions you have on what I just talked about, just any general comments. I'd love to know what topics you'd like to have covered in future podcast episodes. And probably the best way to do that is that you can certainly find me on Twitter and Facebook and on my own website at thatanxietydie.com. Uh, if you go to the website, you'll see links to both my Twitter and Facebook. Um, you could do that thatanxiety.com slash Twitter to get to my Twitter, or ThatAnxietyGuy.com slash Facebook will get to my Facebook page. So you can engage me that way, Twitter, Facebook, or in comments on each individual show on my website. Because every show is posted. You can listen right on the site, and there's areas where you can actually comment and ask questions there too. So feedback always helps. Um, And every, like I said, every episode is going to be posted on the website for you to comment on and and find the notes there. Now, if you're listening on iTunes, if you found us on iTunes, please do me a favor. If you're finding the podcast useful and helpful and you think other people might benefit, the best thing you could do would be to take 30 seconds and just rate us and review us on iTunes. Uh, Positive comments, positive reviews, positive ratings. That's what helps bring us up in the iTunes search ranking and would help other people find the podcast, which hopefully will help them too. So I appreciate you stopping by. I'll be back again next week with another topic. And uh, until then you keep moving forward because as we know, every step forward is a great step forward, no matter how small it may be. You have a great day.